The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The teachings of the Ascended Masters are universal and available to all. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. Well, greetings, everyone, and thank you once again for joining us. You are tuned to The Open Door, the Internet voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and it is our goal to acquaint you with these teachings as well. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Terry Kennedy, and our focus today is on injustice. Well, actually, uh, the fact that there is no injustice in the universe. Oh, boy. I know I hear myself say this every week. Here we go again. But no injustice in the universe, you know, what are we really talking about? Karma, maybe? (laughs) Karma, without a doubt. And let's get right to it. The reason the Ascended Masters teach that there is no injustice in the universe is because virtually everything we experience is the direct result of our karma. No injustice in the universe? (laughs) Tough to swallow, I know. But, you know, in a dictation delivered by Mother Mary on June 17, 1990, she said, and I quote, Remember, there is no injustice in this universe, as Portia has said, which some seem to forget. Let all things be brought to justice by the heart of mercy, and let there be a loving of the law and the trusting in the law and the invoking of the law each moment when you seem to be bowed down by cares, financial burdens, responsibilities, and the seeming injustices even of one another. And that's it. Know the law, trust in the love and mercy of God. Deal with all of life's lessons with grace and gratitude. I'd say, Tom, we're done here. Should we go on? (laughs) Hey, yeah, well, not so fast. You know, I'm sure that some of our listeners are asking themselves what, well, actually many have asked before. Well, such as what? Such as why do bad things happen to good people? Is this really karma? Uh, what about babies who die at birth or shortly thereafter? Well, these are common questions for sure. Yeah. Or, or why are certain people oppressed and persecuted mm-hmm. or, or victims of famine, war, plague, and genocide? Well, fact is there are countless examples we could list of people of all ages seemingly subjected to injustice or crippled by disease or unfairly treated in any number of ways. Well, the truth is, though, we must realize that what we're really all dealing with is karma. Mm-hmm. It's our karma, it's world karma. And the things that happen to us that may seem unjust are actually golden opportunities to balance karma. Of course, that may be a bitter pill to swallow when the reason for the seeming injustice may not be outwardly known or understood. And unfortunately, many people who don't recognize or understand the role of karma in their experiences often have a common response. They curse God for their lot in life. Which I think is something we've all probably done at one time or another. No doubt. Mm -hmm. But cursing God avoids any sense of personal responsibility. And (laughs) of course, it is neither useful or constructive and does nothing to resolve the issue and finally balance the debt. 
in a dictation by Lanello that was delivered on August 25th, 1974, he said, and I quote, all initiations are intended to lead the soul and the evolving consciousness to the place where drawing the sword of truth from the sheath of the will of God, man and woman slay the dragon of their own carnal mindedness and put down the tempter who tempts the children of the dawn to curse God to his face in the hour of the testing. See that you release praise for all of the good that has come forth from the hand of God and fear not to praise him in the hour of temptation, in the hour when the last vestiges of the self must be sacrificed and let the sealing of the lips be the mark of the attainment of Job, unquote. Peshu Alga, the first <laughs> rebel angel, committed the very first sin against God when he cursed him for allowing the death of his son. Yeah. How could one of such high attainment carry such a misconception about God in his heart? Well, you know, when you think about it, you realize that many people hold very negative images of God or what they perceive as his intentions in their hearts. In their blindness, they see a God who is vengeful, retaliatory, capricious, and uncaring. In fact, they try to humanize God to bring him down to their level rather than trying to bring themselves up to his level. But God is not human, nor are we here to perfect the human. Rather, we're here to reunite with the heart of God, therefore, in reality, becoming God. You know, our God is truly a God of love, a being of pure light, whole, complete, and perfect. He is never heartless, and to assign human attributes to God is to limit him in ways that are actually and virtually impossible. God is not petty. Nope. He does not play favorites. And in the outpicturing of events, particularly those that seem to contain injustice, what we actually have are opportunities to balance the scales and ultimately gain passage from our earthly schoolroom and return to the heart of God. And once we get this figured out, the next thing we want to do is learn how to accelerate the balancing of our negative karma. Which we can do with decrees and what, Tom? Violet flame. There you go. As we've said many times before, the violet flame literally burns up our negative karma on contact. But like any healing salve or potion, it must be applied properly. And dynamic decrees are the perfect applicator. <laughs> as the title implies, the science of the spoken word is indeed a science. There is literally an alchemical mathematical formula involved that gives our decrees a precision that no other form of prayer can match. You know, what we hope our listeners will take away from this discussion is a sense of the reality of karma and the need to balance all of it that is negative. That's because our ascensions hang in the balance, and we need to get on with handling our negative karma as quickly and as surely as we can. And, of course, blaming or cursing God for whatever befalls us gets us nowhere fast. It, it may seem difficult at first, but uh, to be grateful for those things that test us, uh, remember that the goal is to graduate from this earthly schoolroom and take our rightful places in the etheric octave with the ascended masters. So... Keeping the goal in mind will make handling life's challenges with grace and gratitude much easier. And remember this, too. Karma isn't fate. With free will, we created our karma. And with free will, we can transform it. You know, for more on this, here is an excerpt from Karma and Reincarnation by Elizabeth Clare Prophet, read by my co-host, Terry. Thank you very much, Tom. And here it is. Karma. You made it. You can change it. Every one of us has had constructive lives as well as lives that were not so constructive. We do not, however, have to know all the details to transmute the negative karma and make spiritual progress. The conditions right in front of us are a roadmap to our assignments for this lifetime. Whatever you are or are not, you earned it, the good, the bad, and the irksome. This is the nature of karma. Whatever you are or are not, you can change it. This, too, is the nature of karma. That's because karma isn't fate. Karma can help us understand how we got where we are. 
The circumstances of our life, the events that take shape around us, the people we seem to magnetize. But it doesn't tell us how we will respond to those circumstances, events, and people. That's entirely up to us, and that's what determines our destiny. We exercised free will to create karma. We can exercise free will to transform it. The only boundaries to our progress are the ones we ourselves have put in place. If our karma dictates an untimely death, it is possible, for example, to earn a life extension by a change of heart. When we serve life with all of our heart, life will give back to us. Nothing is final until we make it final, and nothing is predestined until we make it our destiny. Another karmic trap is the temptation to avoid our karma. Lifetime after lifetime, we may bump into a certain challenge, but because we don't realize that it is an opportunity in disguise, we run in the opposite direction to avoid the karmic encounter, or we react the way we did when we first made the karma, with <coughs> anger or impatience or criticism, which only gets us more entangled. When we start seeing things from the perspective of karma, we realize that unless we embrace the karmic tests staring us in the face, we will have to keep reincarnating with the same individuals or in the same kinds of circumstances until we determine to pass those tests. Turning our back only postpones the day when we must stand, face, and conquer. It's natural to want to avoid the friction of karmic encounters. Those clashes often make us look at a part of ourselves we would rather not look at. Yet God deliberately brings together individuals whose karmic patterns grate on each other so that they can knock the rough edges off of one another, so to speak. As the Master El Moria has taught, there is a certain friction that is required for all attainment on the path. If someone in your life brings out the worst in you, praise God. You might never have seen that sharp edge otherwise, and until you make it smooth, everyone who bumps into you will feel that sharpness. Recognizing when we're going nowhere fast because we are trying to avoid our karma can be subtle especially in a culture that tends to breed the desire for quick fixes to life's inconveniences and pain. Yet pain is an incredible teacher. It signals us that something in our life is out of kilter, out of alignment with our inner blueprint. Whether it's soul pain or physical pain, all pain is a growing pain. Yet it's hard to be grateful in the face of tragedy. When tragedy strikes, the temptation is to blame ourselves or even to become angry at God. The anger, however, won't erase the pain or help nurture our soul through the ordeal. It will only make matters worse. In most cases, we can never know for sure the inner dynamics that ignited the tragedy, but we can choose to open our heart and discover the profound message that is meant for us. All right. Well, thank you, Terry. Uh, we've got to take a brief break here, but don't go away, because when we return, we will hear an interview with Elizabeth Clare Prophet, in which she provides valuable insights into the law of karmic return. In particular, a couple of questions that she answers, and you'll find these very interesting. Don't people go to heaven or hell when they die? What happened to the real core of Christ's teachings? What happens to people who will not take responsibility for balancing their karma? When we come back, we'll have her answer these questions and a number more. Thank you. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? 
Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Welcome back, everyone. In the following interview, Elizabeth Clare Prophet discusses the law of karmic return, our responsibility to balance our karma, reincarnation, why the truth of this has been withheld from us, and more. Our interviewer is Doug Kenyon. What happens to someone who doesn't take responsibility for balancing his own karma? Jesus had an answer for this. He said, Woe unto you, lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, but them that were entering in ye hindered. The lawyers Jesus is speaking of are those who take the letter of the law and split that letter and destroy the key of knowledge of God, which is in the great mystery that is revealed by the Holy Spirit. The understanding of the continuity of the soul's evolution is absolutely basic to true Christianity. Then do people go to heaven or hell when they die? Well, what I'm concerned with is not so much heaven and hell, is that there are those wolves in sheep's clothing who are in the pulpits of every nation who are telling people that there is no return of the soul, there is no opportunity. What this means is that there are individuals who have defied God, who are unwilling to go before the judgment to atone for that sin, to reincarnate and undo the wrong they have done. In other words, to serve life and to set themselves and that life free. They want someone else to do it for them. And so they take the true teaching of Jesus Christ as the world's Savior. They take his tremendous 
demonstration of love for us. And they turn it into an escapism whereby they can totally escape from the law of karma. This is the great tragedy, that the real teaching and the real meat of Christ's teaching is taken from his children today. What happened to those teachings? Jesus taught that John the Baptist was Elias come again. There's no way we can rationalize that Jesus was not teaching the doctrine of reincarnation. But if we need further proof, here we have Jesus saying to his disciples, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. The point here is that the disciples were telling him that others were speculating on who he might have been in his previous incarnation. Jesus never rebukes them, never says to them, it is wrong for you to speak of something that is of the devil. But he goes right on with his question because he is not interested in speculation on who he was in his last life. He wants to know if they have identified the eternal nature of Jesus and of all who is the Christ. And so he says, but whom say ye that I am? And this is when Simon Peter gives his famous answer, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus blesses him and says, Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And so Jesus has demonstrated to his disciples that the Christ is the eternal nature of himself. And it is by the identity of the Christ that he desires to be remembered, not by his previous incarnations. And thus he teaches us all the emphasis we should place. We're not particularly interested in knowing who we were in our past lives. What is important about the doctrine of reincarnation is that we are able to face the fact that what we are today is the totality of what we have been before. And it is this rebellion that concerns me because without that understanding, we cannot evolve to the place where we can reunite with the I am that I am. Have any of the church scholars taught reincarnation in the period since Jesus left us? Well, as a matter of fact, origin of Alexandria, one of the most influential members of the early church, as influential as Augustine, actually taught the pre-existence of the soul and the doctrine of reincarnation. His famous writings have been destroyed almost completely because he was condemned and his theories were anathematized. But in fact, he set forth not his own logic, but the prevailing understanding of the Christian mysteries by the group of souls who had retained that message which Jesus gave, of which John speaks when he says that there are so many things which Jesus did that the world could not contain the books that should be written. But nevertheless, finally in the year 553, it was Theodora and Justinian who determined that his works should be anathematized. And therefore, the doctrine of reincarnation has fallen into what we might say the subconscious body of knowledge of the church. It's interesting to note that Theodora was a prostitute before she became empress and the wife of Justinian. And in contemplation of this doctrine of reincarnation, she could not face the consequences of what a future life might be because of her previous sins. She would rather make permanent the doctrine that she could be saved through 
the Christ and not bear her own burden as the law states we must all do. And so we see that it was rebellion against the inner law which Christ taught that caused so much controversy to rise up against origin. How important is it that a person come to believe in reincarnation? Well, St. Germain, who is the master, the ascended master of the Aquarian cycle, teaches us in one of his dictations how important it is. He says that it is the keystone in the arch of being. Without the understanding of re-embodiment, as he calls it, we cannot really understand our soul's path of evolution. And he says it would be most beneficial if the human monad could refrain from prejudgment in matters of cosmic doctrine and could universally accept the reality of re-embodiment. For it is in the acceptance of this doctrine that the true wisdom of the ages is more easily discerned. It is most difficult for mankind in any age, perceiving in the span of a few short years a series of events relative to the personal self, to be able to judge the world in which they live and the entire society from which they have derived both bane and blessing, and then to be able to perceive cosmic matters and assess them properly. By accepting and rightly understanding re-embodiment, a new cosmic sense is developed in the individual who is then better equipped to see behind the surface effect underlying personal causes stretching back across the dust of centuries. St. Germain says, simply because men lack conscious memory of a previous existence does not validly deny this truth. Many have already experienced the feeling of having performed a given deed before. Many have noted with interest the manifestation of genius in art, music, science, or other aptitudes at a most early age, indicating the resumption of the broken thread of identity. Modern physicians take note of the distinct personality of babies on the very day of their birth. All over the world, fascinating and authoritative stories are related concerning someone who does recall some scene from a past life. In the book, Quietly Comes the Buddha, It says, Consider that you yourself have sown the wind, and that if you would enter into the fiery core of being, you must first reap the whirlwind. What does that mean? They have sown the wind and reaped the whirlwind. This is simply the law of cause and effect. And in order for that law to be fulfilled, the individual soul must reincarnate because we cannot receive the full impact of all we do in a given lifetime. And so it is talking about the fact that we must face our karma first before we come to the judgment, before we come to the trial by the sacred fire, before we are to be weighed in the great balance of life, because God allows for us to balance the karma and he gives us extensive opportunity until ultimately when that span of opportunity has been fulfilled, then comes the final judgment, which is written about in the book of Revelation. It seems that most people in the world are actually getting behind in the game rather than getting ahead. Is there any hope for them? Well, the problem is that people are not actively balancing their karma in the West because they do not consider it a necessity. So the philosophy of the children of God is derived from the fallen ones who say, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. And they are talking about the death of the soul. And they are teaching this doctrine, and the children of God have nowhere to turn. 
because their leaders teach them it doesn't matter what you do you can never pay your debt you can only lean on Christ who died for your sins and so round after round of this false doctrine embodiment after embodiment comes the utter disappointment that the soul cannot yet be received in the resurrection by the Lord Christ because it has not settled its accounts and therefore it is directed once again by the lords of karma to return to the scene of its crime if you will to stand face and conquer all that has transpired in the past so then you would attribute the general spiral of decay in the world to the failure to take responsibility for one's previous lives not only one's previous life but the present life not only do people not come to grips with the past but they can scarcely take that responsibility for what they did yesterday people are walking out on responsibility everywhere and this is the moral decay of civilization you preach a hard doctrine <laughs> nevertheless doug it's the law and if we betray the law we betray our own souls we will all keep reincarnating until we are willing to balance that karma thank you very much well, there's some food for thought. <laughs> Certainly is. Oh, boy. Up next, our weekly Q&A. And today, once again, we are joined by Reverend Sidney Bennett. Please stay with us. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Listening on a Higher Dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You 
are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And welcome back, everyone. Thanks again for staying with us. With us today for our traditional Q&A is our friend, Sidney Bennett. Hi, Sidney. Gentlemen. Hi, Sidney. You know, as most of our listeners certainly know by now, I'm hard to avoid this reality, I guess, is karma is one of our favorite topics. We return to it in much the same way it returns to us, which is to say often. (laughs) I thought that was kind of clever. (laughs) Anyway, let's get right to it. Karma may seem like punishment often, but it's really an example of the infinite mercy of God. Can you help us understand this difference? Sure. Well, I think the first thing you have to understand that karma is a law. It's an impersonal law. It's cause and effect. Whatever you send out will come back to you. And so when we understand that, we can we can understand why things come back to us without saying God's punishing us or trying out to get us or the world is unfair and so forth. So we must understand that that is the basis of the law of karma. Why does God have karma? Because it's how we learn. And how we learn will determine how we can make spiritual progress how we can put aside our human consciousness and our human foibles, put on the Christ consciousness that is there within us and ready to be part and one with us as we make that progress. Mm. You know, even Jesus, it says in the Bible, learned obedience through his suffering. So let's face it, pain causes us to learn. (laughs) And so that way, pain can be good. It doesn't mean it's pleasant. But, you know, I often look at it this way. Pain comes to everyone on this planet one way or the other. Isn't it better to look at it as as a teacher and as a lesson so you get some good out of it? Because for a lot of people, it turns into resentment and anger. And they carry that anger from embodiment to embodiment, oh, and they Lord. get nowhere. Yeah. So you're going to have pain, make the best of it, and learn how to deal with it. I remember so, a statement that um, I came I don't know how long ago it was, but it was distilled down to pain is the price of wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. in, in, it's also the path to, to, to joy and to happiness. Well, finding the bliss Indeed. inside the pain. Indeed. Yeah. So... So what what really seems bad then is is actually good, right? And, and I don't yeah. I don't want to sound trite here in the sense that when when tragedy or difficulty come upon people's lives, it's not easy and it is painful and it does hurt, and there is a mercy and a grace of God that will help us get through it. But that but it is also the tool that is God's way of helping us to return to Him because remember we have free will, so God's not going to pull our strings and make us do what He thinks we should do. Right. We have to make the right choices, and the way we learn to make right choices is through trial and error. And for some of us, it's a lot of errors. Well, <laughs> what did St. Germain say? He made a million right decisions. Exactly. That's why he earned his ascension. Exactly. Well, I'm thinking that, you know, the the pain is, as I think you've said, it's it's how we perceive it. I mean, it's literally a matter of our perception, not necessarily that it's, it's truly pain or a bad thing, as Terry was asking his question, but really, if you can change how you look at something, you know, if you don't like what's going on, change your mind. Yeah, and, and that know? doesn't mean that things aren't hard, because they Certainly. are hard. And that's how we learn our lessons. And when we have that perspective, and the knowledge that God has given us tools to help us through this pain, He's given us knowledge that has been denied to us for many centuries and many, many embodiments so that we can gain an understanding of what we need to learn, how we learn it, and then finally make that progress that we won't have to experience that pain at least anymore. Yeah. You know, when we talk about balancing karma and when we allude to the opportunity it gives us to accelerate our spiritual journey, it may seem to some to require virtual sainthood to accomplish, but really transforming our karma is something we're all capable of, isn't it? 
I, I mean, how often have we heard it said that God never gives us more than we can handle? You know, when we hear about the law of karma reincarnation and the fact we've lived so many times before, it's kind of like a shock in a way. You, know? you yeah. mean, you mean, you mean I got to go back and undo everything I did? And so it takes a certain level of commitment to God and a, and a faith in God that as you pursue this path, as you suggested, Tom, you mm-hmm. won't get more than you can handle at any one time. And again, God has given us the tools through the violet flame and other things that we can balance a tremendous amount of karma in a relatively short period of time. And so it, it's, it, I think when people get down to it, they really do want to take responsibility for their lives. They've been fed the lie that they don't have to, that right. Jesus did everything for them. But ultimately, for our own self-respect and our, our being in God, don't we want to take accountability for what we've done and say, God, I made those mistakes. With your help, I'm going to balance them. It's very empowering to think of it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of think of it as, as a road, road sign or a flag or something that goes up that says this is pain <laughs> and uh, this is your indicator that there's something to work on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, many times before we've asked why our religious leaders have willfully chosen to withhold <laughs> concepts of karma and reincarnation from. Uh, for our listeners who may not have heard our previous programs on the subject, uh, can we cover this again? In other words, who's behind the cover-up and why? Well, it, it's not that difficult when you understand it. Um, there are fallen angels that have embodied on earth that are cut off from God because they have rebelled against God. That is their choice, their free will choice. Therefore, they don't get energy from God. Where do they get it? They get it through the misqualification of energy by the light bearers mm-hmm. of God on this planet who take the light of God and misqualify through their mistakes or misdeeds, they're in harmony or whatever. And then the fallen ones, fallen angels, will then take that energy and that sustains them. And so it's in their interest to keep the people ignorant and continuing to sin, if you will. And so by denying karma and reincarnation and saying, teaching people that they're worthless sinners – People said, well, you know, I'll, I guess I'll try, but it really doesn't matter because Jesus saved me anyway. And, and what's the rush? I don't have to do anything. I can avoid my karma. They don't call it that, but it's what they're doing right. because Jesus took it for me. Right. And so it's a self-perpetuating. It keeps people from knowing the truth of who they can be. And when people don't know their divine destiny and who they really are, they can't pursue it. Boy. And they can't pursue the balancing of karma if they don't understand that law. And so it has been a plot out of the depths of hell, literally, to deny this knowledge to the people of God on earth that doesn't mean that everyone believes that believes this is 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 done wrong because they have unfortunately been victims of the lie Mm -hmm. so there are many wonderful people that believe this to be true but they can never get where they want to go even though they may not know this until they understand karma reincarnation re-embodiment and the ultimate goal of life which is the ascension that jesus paid the price that we have the opportunity to pursue it not to guarantee us eternal life that's such an important distinction you know that he held the balance of our karma until we were capable of handling it ourselves. And we don't get a get-out-of-jail-free card. Exactly. You know, and unfortunately, so many people do believe that, that they end up, well, a few, myself included, when I realized the truth of that, I thought, oh, my gosh, I've been denied years, decades of opportunity where I could have been balancing this karma. I could have been moving through exactly. this. I could have been exactly. ascending. Exactly. But anyway, so, well, you know, when we understand the true nature of the opportunity, that our experiences hold to balance our karma, it does make it easier to shift from resentment to gratitude, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, <clears throat> I often ask myself, how can I be grateful when bad things happen in my life? Well, I don't think we're necessarily grateful for the bad things and how to deal with them, but what we're grateful for is that God is working with us and giving us the opportunity that says, you want to return home to me, there's a stumbling block there that's keeping you away from me. Yeah. You have to deal with this. And maybe we've avoided it in previous lifetimes. Because who, without the knowledge of this, isn't it natural to, to avoid 
pain and difficulty and, and become dodge the karma, so to speak, which yeah. is possible to do it for a while. And so um, there comes a day of reckoning. And that day of reckoning comes when we take responsibility for our karma and say, God, with your help, I'm going to face it. And the great news is God has given us help to deal with this. And, um, you know, that's the way we can move forward. Well, I, I find that, yeah. that whole thought form very liberating. I mean, it really does seem to me that it's freedom. You know, there's another uh, important component in, of this process of balancing karma, and that is forgiveness. Oh, boy. <laughs> and when confronted with the magnitude of some of their personal karma, many people actually believe that what they've done is unforgivable. And so so what can you tell them to ease their minds and Well, their first hearts? of all, it's I a don't... Great, great question, by the way. I, yeah. I don't believe there's any sin that's unforgivable. If, if you continue in it, like the sin against the Holy Spirit, they say, is unforgivable, as long as you continue to sin against the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But you can stop and balance that karma and move on. So there's nothing that we have done or anyone has done that can't be forgiven. Now, we do deal with the karma, and that's the law. But God gives the tools to do with that. What happens is sometimes souls will come to the realization that they have been on the wrong path for so long and created so much karma that they just they just don't even have the will to turn around and balance it. And I heard Mrs. Prophet's story once when she told that someone was in this situation, and he said to her, well, and he Believe me, he made a lot of karma. And he said, not this in distant body, but other embodiments as well. He said, well, why should I do it? It seems like just too much trouble. It's too much. It's too much. You know, I have too much karma. And I love Mrs. Prophet's answer. She said, she said, you do it for the joy of overcoming. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a beautiful teaching. You know, knowing that God will work with us. He'll, we'll get our karma in increments. We don't have to deal with it all at once. And there is a joy in overcoming. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would think, too, that that sense of inertia that some might feel with, with the burden that they perceive of their karma, that if they understood that momentum is established incrementally, one step at a time, right? you begin to get the weight rolling, you know, and then pretty soon it's got its momentum. Well, first of all, stop making karma. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's yeah. the beginning. Hello. And then you, you start to, to balance it and doing the right thing. And we all know innately the moral things to do that are right and, and so forth and, and, and the right things. And we can do that. So you start where you are. You don't, you didn't make your karma overnight. You don't have to balance it overnight, but you can balance it much faster if you use the science of the spoken word and the violet flame, it is literally the gift and the grace of God in this hour to the precious light bearers on this planet who have been fed alive for so long oh, yeah. that God has brought help and salvation if we're willing to embrace it and use it. Time to make hay while the sun shines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, this is a really big subject. And I will say right now that we will focus on forgiveness in an upcoming program. But, you know, kind of going back into this whole concept of feeling unworthy and unforgivable, there are consequences to maintaining that belief, aren't there? Well, there is. And, and of course, you think, well, if I feel myself unworthy, maybe I'm being humble. Well, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a false humility. Yeah. We are worthy because God is within us. Okay? Mm-hmm. We are not, you know, throw out this concept of original sin. God created as his image, which is our I am presence or the presence of God with us. That in of itself makes us worthy to receive forgiveness and to become all that God wills us to be. And we'll have our own individuality. We'll have our own being. We're unique Mm -hmm. in God's creation. But we still become one with God in fulfilling that purpose. Mm -hmm. And so when you say, I'm unworthy, I'm not good enough, I've made done too many sins, you're, you're basically placing yourself outside the circle of God's light and love. God knows you've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. You know, we've sinned, but we're not sinners at heart. And so we understand that even though we make mistakes, we call upon the law of forgiveness, mm-hmm. 
we move forward and ask God for the opportunity to balance the karma. And some will say, my mistakes are so big, you know, I don't think I can ever be forgiven. And that's pride. It's pride because it's sometimes, you know, we're unwilling to forgive ourselves even when God is willing to forgive us. And, and your karma will come to the opportunity to balance. But don't believe that lie that you're unworthy. And, you know, going back, we've talked a number of times about the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. Oh, yeah. With the little devil on the shoulder. Well, this <laughs> is called projection. And you do get projections on you, uh, literally from, from devils. And, and they'll say, you're unworthy, you're no good, and so forth. And in my younger days, before I was very spiritually active, I can remember I had a real problem with this. And I can remember one day hearing a voice. And I, it, was, it was going down telling me how bad I was, and I was kind of getting with it <laughs> yeah. and going down and down and yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, and finally the voice said, in fact, you're the worst person in the world. <laughs> said, well, you just went too far. Oh, and, and, you know, and at that point, it's, I kind of laughed, and it kind of broke the spell. Sure. I said, this is ridiculous. You know? wow. And so you can't allow yourself to be bowed down. And I, I, someone recently was telling me about something they did a number of years ago that was a relatively minor thing. They've been so burdened by it ever since mm-hmm. that they didn't know how to ask for forgiveness. Oh, my you know, I'm reminded of the uh, the brief prayer, Lord, I am worthy, make me worthier still. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we each have to kind of take the lead in reversing our feelings of unworthiness, don't we? It won't necessarily happen on its own. Well, well we do. We have to challenge that mm-hmm. and realizing that even though we're worthy, we still have to work at what we're trying to do and overcome our issues and problems. Mm-hmm. It's an ongoing process. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've got to take a break here, but please don't go away. We will continue our discussion of the law of karma and the sense of injustice in just a moment. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better, no matter where you are or who you're with. The power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home. And their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. 
You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And we are back for more discussion with Sidney Bennett on the subject of karma and reincarnation. Now, one of the points we've tried to make here in other programs is man's tendency to humanize God, to imagine him as having a human experience and feeling human thoughts. But this isn't really possible, is it? Well, it's not possible. And and you think back to the old Greek and Roman mythology, and those gods were all getting even and and doing things and running off with other people's wives and so forth. Throwing hammers. (laughs) So I think there's a tendency in our being to kind of identify with that because we identify with our humanists in many ways. Mm -hmm. But God is not human. And I think we understand that at one level, but on another level, do we really understand that? Because we want God to be human because that's how we can relate to him. Mm -hmm. And so we can relate to God in terms of the qualities of God that are really of the Christ and of God. And that's that's kind of the place where we interact and intersect, so to speak. But let's not call fallen intentions to make God after our image (laughs) instead of the other way around. Yeah, certainly not mine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on this subject of our tendency to humanize God, a lot of people might say that God was created, uh, God created man in his image and likeness, which would seem to justify all of these human attributes uh, given to the, you know, to this concept of our God. So uh, what should we understand about this image and likeness concept? Well, I think it goes to the core teaching, understanding that God has placed a portion of himself within us. I mean, just even that concept is staggering, isn't it? Oh, God yeah. has trusted us. He, first of all, he gave us free will. And then he puts a portion of himself in us, in, within us, which means we can take his energy and his light and misuse it. And that's pretty amazing, and that's love. But anyway, I digressed a little bit. Well, no, but I mean, that's one of our constant themes, is being a co-creator with God, recognizing where the energy comes from that we use to create or have every thought, word, or deed. Right. So so by having a portion of God within us as our own very part of God, you know, that's the image and likeness we're talking about. And that's why the doctrine of original sin just doesn't work. Because how can God, if, if, if God is in us, how can God have original sin? It just doesn't make sense. It's a, a, original bliss. Yeah, it's original right. bliss, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, we've sinned, but we've made mistakes, but we're going to balance that karma, and we're going to get home to God and fulfill our ultimate divine purpose. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in the same vein, um, many have characterized the great flood and the demise of Atlantis and Lemuria as the result of the wrath of God. You know, how do we perceive these events from the point of view of God's mercy? Well, you know, God's law is his mercy. The the sinking of Atlantis and Lemuria were great tragedies for this planet because at one time there were golden ages that existed on both of those civilizations. And at a certain point, they took the wrong turn and headed down the wrong path. And as a result of that, the law worked. There was so much misqualification of energy in Atlantis. There was combining of human and animal genes and creating all these creatures (laughs) and, you know, perversions (laughs) of the light in the mirror and so forth. That that finally, literally, Mother Nature overthrew these and sank the continents because there was so much darkness there. There wasn't the light to hold them up. And so, in one sense, it was the mercy of God because it stopped it. In other words, it prevented people from doing what they were doing anymore at a certain level. And so that is the mercy and grace of God, but it also was a tremendous loss to, to, to the planet and to our souls who probably lived on both Atlantis and Lemuria. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so out of destruction is born new creation and new opportunity. Then, well, the, the mercy and grace of God is that we have new opportunity, 
and and there is new creation, but it was a loss. Let's face it, it was a loss to this planet when both those went down. And so you have to start to rebuilding, and it takes a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Atlantis was about 10, 12,000 years ago it went down, and it's taken us that long to get back to even a little bit of the technology they had. Oh, my gosh. And, and so, you know, it's a long road home. <laughs> what, yeah. what, what was the, what's the time frame on, on Lemuria, which was in the Pacific? I think about 50,000 years ago. Oh, I see. Yeah, somewhere oh my in gosh. that yeah. park. Well, you know, for all those who've been paying attention to the um, political debates that are going on right now, uh, this is an election year. Um, there's been this concept of creative destruction. I don't know if you guys have heard that particular concept used. They no. talk about the fact that that in, in the course of events, in, in our culture, in our civilization, certain um, in, inventions come along, like the tractor, for example, that literally changed the face of agriculture. Mm-hmm. That in the creation of something new is the destruction of much that is old. And it seems to me in the same context, we're talking about spiritual development, spiritual acceleration, that in a sense, that creative component of our lives as spiritual beings requires that certain of what we've had in the past is literally taken care of. I, maybe destroy is not a good word, right. but balance. Displaced. Displaced, yeah. You know, well, it, It's true. And we have awareness and knowledge now of our of, you know, reincarnation of Atlantis, Lemuria, what brought them down, what we need to do differently. Because what's happened is many of the Atlanteans have re-embodied in the United States now. Yeah. And so we're facing the same karma. I think and I know I, a few of them. And I want to add something here, <laughs> and that is that the, the fallen ones and those that fallen that brought down Atlantis, you know, brought it down. But the sin of the vast majority of the people was not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. They allowed it to happen. They may not have been doing the same things the, the fallen ones were, but they allowed it to happen. And that's what we cannot do this time. And that's why we must take a stand for the light and realize that the drawing down of this light and the increasing of light in the earth will displace the darkness and prevent another cataclysm such as that. Well, let's talk about this a bit more, um, that these... Um souls who have been reincarnating, who reincarnated through Lemuria and Atlantis, they are, as you just said, they are still with us. Right. And that's us many, in many cases. And, and that doesn't mean that all of those who came through are bad. No, of course not. Yeah, so, so a lot of people who, who were there were not necessarily responsible for the destruction. They simply were alive at the time that it occurred, and they come. Well, back they here. had an accountability for allowing it to happen. Yeah, okay. Because when you, you know, not, you know, there's sins of omission as well as commission, and when the darkness is not challenged, then it can it can win. And so we're facing that same test today. And uh, there's great darkness at many levels in this country and in the Western civilization, yeah. um, even as there is great light. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, we've been taught by the masters that darkness is in fact greater now in America than it was at the time of the sinking of Atlantis. But it's the mercy and the grace of God that we have this opportunity, and we can turn this around. God can turn it around through us. Um, but again, this is where this passivity is. Passivity is death, because if you don't act, then the karma, which is an impersonal law, is going to come back. Well, you said, I think recently in our, one of our shows, about the weight of abortion um, being one of those great darknesses that is accumulating at an alarming rate, obviously, and we have to make a stand. Until we stop abortion, the karma we're building up as a nation and as a planet is so horrendous, I don't want to think about it. Um, we are making yeah. progress, I think, and education illumination is, is the key. Now, I, you know, we do this at the, at the worldly level, so to speak, and there are wonderful groups doing this, but a key component of this is the light that we invoke. And, and understanding this component, that light will displace the darkness and it will allow the truth to come forward, if you will. 
And, and I think that's the reason that America is still intact today is because there is a lot of light being drawn forth. And the more we can draw forth, the greater will be the change. And it can happen quickly. It doesn't have to take yeah. 500 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. an equation here. And when the light is greater than the darkness, it will displace the darkness. Which is one of the reasons why we say one plus God is a majority. Absolutely. Yeah. But again, we have to do our part. Yeah. And, and I'm just kind of thinking about Atlantis falling and uh, all the people that laughed at uh, Noah, for instance, for what did it take him, 100 years yeah. to gather up the animals <laughs> and build the ark and one thing and another. So all those people are really were accountable. They were like they weren't maybe the fallen angels that that, you know. Were responsible they believed the lie. They, believed they allowed the lie. themselves yeah. to yeah. believe the lie. They didn't work hard enough to find the truth, to embrace it. It's out there. It's there if you'll look for it and you'll find it. So, so do we still find these same people that, that followed the fallen angels then uh, also reincarnating and doing the same thing now? Well, that's the tendency because you do the, the momentum mm-hmm. begets momentum. And the problem is a lot of the fallen ones that took down Atlantis have also re-embodied. And some of them, and they're doing the same things they're having to do. Some of the, for instance, there are scientists on Atlantis that did genetic engineering of combining humans and animals, mm-hmm. which is one of the main reasons Atlantis was taken down. They've re-embodied them. What are they doing again? Oh, they're they're trying thing. to combine the genes of human and animals. You know, God with not God. And it doesn't work. It's not mm-hmm. lawful. Mm-hmm. You know, you said just a moment ago, I think you said, I don't want to think about that in, in terms of the <laughs> fact that we have eclipsed the the total darkness Atlantis to today, yeah. um, and, and maybe we just need to revisit this so we give people a sense of comfort that the possibility exists, doesn't it? That if we don't change our ways, as you said, that we could lead to the same kind of destruction. You know, to wipe the, the well, it wipe is. The why is clean. why is the world talking about Armageddon and you know and the Mayan, Mayan calendar? That's where this. I was going. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. there's a yeah. sense that it's, there's a karmic reckoning coming up now. You know, and there is a karmic reckoning. That's absolutely true. We're at the end of the Piscean Age going to the Aquarius. It's a time for karma to be balanced. Praise God we have the tools to do that. And it doesn't take a billion people to do it, I can tell you. It takes the devotion and love of I don't know how many, but as you said, one with God is a majority of drawing forth the light and our devotion to God and invoking the violet flame, giving the rosaries. This can be turned around. It's not too late. And we can be part of that. And I want to say the amazing thing is, as we give our all to God to help to save this civilization, this planet for the precious light bearers, we're also balancing our own karma. Yeah, in so, yeah. So, self-interest. So, so we're making, we're doing double duty, so to speak, you know. And, and if we have to re-embody, it's sort of in our enlightened self-interest that we make this the best planet possible beyond. So we've got a work to do. Yeah. Along with our day-to-day responsibilities. And we do have the tools to do it. We yep. just have to do it. So could these souls perhaps feeling the overwhelming burden of their karma simply give up, especially, you know, if they've denied this knowledge of uh, and re- reality of reincarnation? I mean, we don't want people to give up. No. And, and some people say, well, I can't do anything about it. So what's the use? You know, I'll yeah. just live my life and do the best I can and be a good person. Well, you know, that's they don't have the truth. They don't have the truth that what they do matters in their little place, in their little world. You know, I, I mean, I have a small circle of friends, probably like you do. How do how can I help God? Mm-hmm. Well, I help God by being his instrument and drawing down his light. God is the doer. It's not me. But he needs instrument because of the law of octaves. I must choose. We must choose to in able God to work on this planet. Well, amen to right, that. And, right. uh, and on that note, a great note, we have to go. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, just want to say God bless you in your footsteps and the path. And remember that though the upward cl- uh, climb may be difficult, the rewards are out of this world. Thanks, Terry. <laughs>
thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week. Thank you.